Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Well, thank you for joining me. This is Dr. Fred, another episode of Study, Grow, Know, and I've got, as usual, a bunch of links at the top of the transcript for your research, and uh, hopefully you'll get some uh, use out of those and get started with more research that will take you, I guess, down the rabbit hole, wherever you happen to be. But today's topic, today's episode is called Anxious, Confused, Fearful. Well, aside from the IRS quite possibly becoming the government's new weaponized militia against the middle class, and I've got a link about that, what's to worry about? Well, in reality, it is easy to be overwhelmed and concerned by what we see happening and experiencing in society. It, it causes angst in many Christians, myself included. Who alive today lived through the Great Depression or the Dust Bowl and the terrible problems associated with those events? Most of us in the USA have lived fairly comfortable lives and haven't really gone without, have we? That may change in the near future as we go into this fall or even the great spring of uh, 2023. We're being warned that it's not going to look good. So because of all this, I spent time the other morning dealing with a bit of anxiety regarding everything that's going on in the world. But after spending time in prayer, I was again reminded of the problem. It's funny how often this problem is something God has to remind me about. So like Peter, who initially found himself walking on water, you remember that instance? But quickly began sinking after taking his eyes off of Jesus and onto the water and the waves, I realized I too was focusing on the situations in front of me instead of on Christ. That one factor makes all the difference between victory and defeat. So how do we counteract it? How do we push everything away? How do we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, as Paul commands in Philippians 2.12, so that we're not governed by fear of situations and so that we can live victoriously? Well, I believe that the solution is found in praise. Will I praise him for everything in the midst of the many frustrating circumstances we are all facing? Or will I focus instead on the situations that will ultimately rob me of my joy? It's clearly up to me because it's a decision that I need to make many times throughout each day. You don't just make it once and it covers the whole day. It's something that we need to do all the time. So to not make that decision at each area, at each question, at each temptation. If I don't make the correct decision to turn to him in praise, then I'm accepting the default, which is for me, worry, concern, anxiety. So as I turn to him in praise, I'm doing several things. First, I'm acknowledging his lordship over me and my life. And second, I have gained or am gaining control over the temptations that want me to take myself and make myself Lord of my life. So that's an interesting thing. Either God is our Lord 
or we are our Lord. So as it happens, it's a continuing battle every Christian faces to some extent or another until our death. So the sooner we get used to that reality and make changes, the better off we'll be. So let's just look at one biblical example found in Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. Many prophets face situations that most of us, including me, would not want to face. Habakkuk chapter 1 opens with a question. Habakkuk, the prophet, wanted to know how long God would continue not hearing his cries regarding Israel. Well, the Lord responds with a warning to Habakkuk that judgment is coming to Israel and that God would use the Chaldean armies from the north to mete out that judgment. So a dialogue ensues between God and Habakkuk in chapters 1 to 3. In Habakkuk chapter 2, the Lord responds to the prophet, which includes the now famous words, the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk 2, 4 and B. If I truly live by faith, then wouldn't I be praising God more for the current and future situations? Shouldn't that become my default and my basic way of automatically reacting to these situations? Well, the remainder of Habakkuk chapter 2 is filled with one promised woe after another. And these should have been a wake-up call to Israel, but it wasn't. None of it was. The Israelites experienced promised judgment, as God said they would. And I wonder how far judgment is on the USA today. How far away is it? How far away is that judgment? Certainly it's coming, though I think it's uh, fascinating that many see a revival. Oh, there's going to be a great revival poured out. You know, it's funny. When I was involved in the charismatic movement in the 70s, that's all they talked about. There's going to be a great pouring of God's spirit, and it's going to start here, and it's going to move its way across the country. Well, that never happened. It never happened, and yet people are still saying that today. When civilizations come to a point of judgment— the judgment usually falls. And long after judgment has occurred and meted out what God wants to mete out on that society, afterward, there can be revival, but only after the judgment occurs. The Bible is filled with example after example. So why do some people think the USA is going to escape God's judgment? How could it? How could it? Just because uh, the Supreme Court decided to overturn Roe v. Wade and give it back to the states, that's, that's going to save us from... No. Abortions still happen. It's never going to stop. So we've got a lot of things in this country to deal with. And a lot of things that are causing a stench to God. Habakkuk chapter 3 begins with the prophet's prayer. He heard God's complaint and understood coming judgment was due to a needed purge of evil from Israel. That's the whole goal of God, to purge evil. He sends prophets, now he uses his word, to warn people of what's wrong in their lives. If they continue down that path relentlessly, then God will send judgment. Certainly the nation of Israel had been given plenty of opportunities in Habakkuk's day for revival, but to no avail. God would not continue to overlook the tremendous amount of continuing evil that existed within Israel. Not only in the leaders, but in the average person. It had become a tremendous stench to God's nostrils, which required him to deal with it. 
he would no longer relent. So as I, I'm not gonna, I didn't reprint the entire section of uh, Habakkuk 3, 1 through 16 in the transcript. But I would encourage you, if you go to the transcript, there's a link that'll take you right to those verses. So I'd, I really strongly encourage you to re- read that entire section before we continue with this episode. But here's what I want to focus on, Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. And this is what it says. This is, by the way, Habakkuk talking. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there will be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on high hills. So look carefully. Go back and read that on your own and look carefully at what Habakkuk states in the above three verses. Though life itself might become terrible, which for him included no blossoms on fig trees, fruit on the vines, no fields yielding food or herds in the stalls. The prophet promises that he will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Now, that's an interesting response, I think. Now, I know myself well enough to know that if I was facing the prospect of no food, well, I'd respond with anxiety, confusion, and fear. That's my go-to response way too often. What would you do if you went to the store and saw completely empty shelves? What would you do if the garden you planted produced no vegetables or fruit? Habakkuk stated that in spite of how bad things appeared to him, he would rejoice in the Lord and be joyful in God his Savior. Praising God is not automatic for me in life situations. And that's sad. I I don't even like admitting it, but I have to admit it. How do I cause it to become a habit or my new default mode? Well, it, it becomes that only by continually practicing it so that a habit develops. There's no other way of which I'm aware. So when I was feeling somewhat overwhelmed recently because of Congress's Inflation Reduction Act, which of course is a misnomer. It's not going to reduce inflation, but it's actually going to increase it tremendously. I became concerned. Inflation will occur, not be reduced. And this occurs because Congress spends money the government doesn't have. So the Federal Reserve, at the request of the federal government, will print more money, and then they will loan it to the federal government with tremendous interest. The Federal Reserve, for those who do not know, is simply a central bank owned by private individuals, most of whom live in Europe, by the way. It is called the Federal Reserve to make it sound as though it's part of the federal government, but it is not. It is a bank designed to make large profits. The federal government has three branches, and the Federal Reserve is not one of those branches. But under this new bill, if signed into law, the federal government will borrow millions and millions of dollars that the Federal Reserve will loan, thereby drastically increasing our already unbelievably high national debt, which will cause more inflation. This same bill, by the way, will increase taxes on people making at least $30,000 per year, 
something Biden said he would not do. And we'll also add 87,000 new employees to the IRS, who will, by the way, be heavily armed. And what are their jobs? To audit people. Why? To ensure that everyone pays their, quote-unquote, fair share. It's an interesting form of socialism leading to communism in actuality. And for a greater breakdown on socialism versus capitalism, I've uh, included a link in the transcript to a recent message by Reverend Danny Jones from North Lake Baptist Church, and it's called Of God and Government. He uh, preached it on August 7th. The actual sermon starts at the 24-30-minute mark. And by the way, as an aside, let's lift up the folks at North Lake Baptist Church as Reverend Danny Jones is set to retire with his last day being August 28th. 2022. He's going to be missed not only by the people who regularly attend North Lake and are members there uh, and attend all the time in person, but he's going to be missed by those of us who attend online services as well. Jones's messages have been a major oasis for my wife and me as our own pastor is as well, as it seems fewer and fewer pastors are actually preaching the whole truth of God's word these days. So let's pray that the next pastor, um, North Lake Taps, is the one the Lord wants there who will continue to preach all of God's counsel, rightly dividing God's word faithfully each week, as I believe Jones has done. Now, all of what's happening in the world can tend to take the wind out of our sails and even plant seeds of doubt and depression if, if allowed. We see the corruption, the evil, and the collected power that is being used to destroy people's lives, and nothing is done about it. Of course, God's response is found in Psalm 37, 1-5, among many other places in Scripture. Now, you add to this the fact that we are very likely in the eye of the storm where gas prices are currently coming down. Things are seemingly returning to some sense of normalcy, but it will likely not last at all. And in fact, chances are great that things will get very bad within the next few months and certainly into 2023. All of this can be very discouraging, but what can we do? Well, I think what we can do, what we should do, is praise God for his love, his perfection, his concern for us, his promise never to abandon, leave, or forsake us, and a promise to meet our needs. If we focus on situations we will be overcome by them. Our emotions will react to those situations. Praising God for or in the midst of terrible conditions removes us emotionally from those situations as we begin to trust him for his provision. You know, people are starting to talk about a coming financial depression, not merely a recession. And what is that going to mean for most people? Well, it's going to become a struggle for many to make ends meet. But if I lose sight of God and focus on the situations around me, I'm simply adding to my problems. I'm making it harder for myself to be successful in Christ. I will then begin to sink like Peter did, even though the moment before he was actually and literally walking on water toward Jesus, Matthew 14, 22 through 33, because Jesus was his full focus. So we do the same when we focus on situations primarily. Dire situations will overwhelm our emotions in defeat. 
So in that state, we can accomplish nothing, and we are soon frozen in fear. Praise reverses that and renews our strength and commitment to God. So when I realized all of this again the other day, I deliberately began praising God. And each time I began thinking a thought that tried to overwhelm me or something came into my head and it tried to defeat me, I turned it over to God and I forced my thinking to see him, his provision, his will, his perfect righteousness and praise. Each time I did that, the victory would be gained. But it's not as though Satan or our own flesh will give up and never bother us again, right? Praising God is something we must practice so that it becomes the normal conversation of our minds. Now, had Peter shifted his gaze back onto Jesus and off the waves and the noise of the wind and the splashing, his fear would have likely been overcome. And by the way, I am not being critical of Peter. I'm simply stating that we also go through the same types of things Peter did, and we react the same way Peter reacted way too often. We must relearn the way we think. Friends, we are facing some terrible situations in life, and much like Israel did, judgment is coming because so many have tried and tried and tried to overthrow God, rejecting his moral code, as Paul explains in Romans 1. God eventually gives that society over to itself, and there comes a point of no return. Judgment is cleansing, and it is also renewing. It must happen before any type of revival can occur. Now, I'm not saying our praise will change situations, though though it certainly could. What I am saying is that our praise will change the way we think, which will change our outlook on life, increasing our faith and trust in God our Father. If we can do as Paul commands and enter into continual praise, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we will allow God to work in and through us to bring about his will for us. Now, as Peter stood on the water, he lost sight of Jesus because of the waves, which destroyed his faith in Christ. The waves overwhelmed him, replacing his faith, and he started sinking. We often do the same, don't we? We need to admit that. I know I do, and I have got to force myself to create a new habit of praising God in all things and for all things. And if I fail to do this, I will, like Peter, sink, and I will be able only to cry out for help from God my Father. Jesus wants us to walk with him and to gain strength from him. This is only accomplished when we developed a habit of praising him for and in all things. So as we do this, we move away from a reliance on ourselves and a dependence on him. I want to respond to life situations as Habakkuk did. That's my goal because it brings God glory. Only God truly knows all of what's going to occur over the next 12 months. No one else knows, in spite of the fact that there are some who absolutely think that they know. So instead of focusing on what's coming so that we are overwhelmed and even frozen in fear by it, we should spend time focusing on the extremely important matter of praising God for everything that touches our life. The more we get into the habit of praising God, 
the more we will learn to build our trust in him and we find the hurdles we're facing are overcome because of the clarity of thought provided by focusing and worshiping our God in praise. The alternative is a life of continual defeat. It's really our choice, isn't it? So we need to choose wisely. Thanks so much for joining me today. And until we meet again, I pray that God will open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in Him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical, conservative perspective. 